You're listening to the Mid-Career GPS Podcast, Episode 70. So where is the stuckness? Is it um, the particular people you're working with? Is it the industry you're working in? Is it the role or the type of work that you're doing? Is it a lack, you know, has your confidence been beaten down? But where exactly is it that you're stuck? Because when you can identify that, then that's the area to really pay attention to and to do some work around in terms of what is really going on underneath that. You know, I I find that so often these things come down to some sort of fear and trepidation. There have been numerous times in my career where I felt stuck. It's one of the motivators that helped me move my career forward. And this has or will happen to you. Heck, you might even be feeling stuck right now. It's a natural progression on our career path, but we have to identify what's causing the stuckness. Today, I'm joined by the president and owner of New Aspect Coaching, Lisa Downs. Lisa supports age 40 plus professionals, figure out what's next in their mid to late careers, whether they're looking to stay in the workforce, retire, or semi-retire. Lisa is the host of Reigniting You on KIXI 880 AM in Seattle, where she focuses on career transition topics for people over 40. You can also listen to it on your favorite podcast platform. Now, in this episode, you'll learn how to transfer your skills, navigate some of the life events that may happen to people over 40 that include things like empty nest syndrome or gray divorce. Plus, we'll talk about ageism and how you can set yourself up to combat ageist stereotypes. It's not too late to think about that. This is the Mid-Career GPS Podcast, and I'm your host, John Nerrill. I'll help you prepare, position, and promote who you are and what you do so you can show up to find a job you love or love the job you have. It's time to start building your mid-career GPS, so let's get started. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the podcast. First, I want to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving. If you are traveling this year, please stay safe, and I hope you create many happy memories with your family, friends, and your loved ones. Now, if you listen to episode 68, Your Money Story with Laura Rotter, and a lot of you did, so thank you for that, you noticed I did something a bit different. I'm experimenting with some different ways of editing and producing these conversations. Now, if you like them, leave me a review, drop me a DM, or email me at john at johnnarrell.com and let me know what you think. I'm actively planning season two starting in January and appreciate the feedback. Typically, you know that I release my conversations on the second and fourth Fridays of each month, but I wanted to get this episode out before Thanksgiving. After all, if you're traveling, maybe you'll take some time and spend it listening to this episode. Once again, safe travels. Now, in early August, I joined Lisa on her show, Reigniting You, to answer the question of the month that was related to how we know we're having our mid-career moment. After having such a great time on her show, I wanted to return the favor and have her on mine 
so you could meet her and learn more about her and how she helps her clients. And since we all have a story, listen to who Lisa wanted to be growing up. <laughs> so I, I think when I got asked that question or when I was in grade school and uh, we would talk about careers or had career days, something like that, I think my answer was, I want to be an entertainer. <laughs> so uh, my mom, uh, she had a dancing school. And so I grew up learning how to dance and sing and all of that and was interested in that. And uh, my mom actually uh, dropped out of high school in her junior year to spend some time dancing with the San Francisco Ballet Company. And so and her best friend growing up became a choreographer in Hollywood. And so kind of the showbiz stuff was in in my world from a very young age. And I think that was my stock answer. I didn't really know what exactly that meant I would do, but I'm pretty sure that's how I answered that question when I was little. If you want a good conversation starter this Thanksgiving, ask your family and friends what they wanted to be growing up. You might be surprised at what you learn. For me, I wanted to be a professional bowler and a game show host. I've checked one of them off my list, and honestly, I'm just waiting for Pat Sajak to retire. When he's ready, of course. Often, something or someone inspires us while we are in school to pursue a particular path. For Lisa, her story gets a little more interesting. Yeah, so I, you know, a big influence on me when I was in high school was, so I was a theater kid in high school, uh, so not in plays, but in the musicals, mm -hmm. and I participated in uh, show choir, so I, I tell people I was in Glee before anyone mm -hmm. knew what Glee was or what show choir was, and um, and regular choir and all of that, and, and was also very active. Uh, my high school had a very strong speech and debate team. And the main event that I competed in in school was called radio. And uh, so it was basically where you would go into a room with you and a microphone and nobody else, and you would deliver an editorial, a commercial, do a fake newscast, do a fake uh, on-the-spot report from an event that you made up in your head <laughs> and get judged on that. And so I did very well with that, and that really sparked my interest in radio. So when I was um, like summer, a couple summers, I spent working for an AM station in Indiana where I grew up. And then when I got to college, I worked, my campus job was to work as a news reporter in the newsroom at an NPR affiliate station in Illinois on my college campus and uh, did that. And then soon after uh, college, I worked for a couple different radio stations, one commercial, a couple commercial stations. One was a country station, one a soft rock station. And then I learned uh, how those, you know, that can be owned by corporate entities and people would fly up from places like Miami and fire people and leave. Uh, and, um, you know, and during that, during my college time too, I also did an internship with CNN over in London and learned a bit about the TV side, but I decided I just didn't want that to be my life. And, uh, so I got out of that as a profession and went into public education. It's empowering when we have those moments of clarity about where we want to take our career. Sometimes people will come to me and they're very clear about what they don't want to do and they need some help figuring out whatever is next for them. Lisa was very aware and clear about the path she would need to take 
to reach the next level of fame or notoriety at that time of her life in the media industry. For Lisa, her clarity steered her toward pursuing a career where she could share her love of English language arts and journalism and have the balance she wanted while enjoying the stability of a career as a teacher. I just realized, you know, I did not want this to be my life and, uh, and to really quote unquote, make it in the broadcasting world. You also have to be willing to move around a lot because the goal in that world, if you're a on-air personality is, uh, to increase the size of the market that you're in. So you start in a small market, get to a medium market. So medium sized city, and then a large market. So a major city or a national organization, And I just didn't want that. Um, I had met my husband when I was in late college and we both worked at the radio station and uh, so got married about a year out of school. And and I just did not want to location hop and and deal with all of that. Um, So I wanted to do something more. And I thought, well, how could I take my... um, you know, media background, journalism major, (laughs) you know, all of that and do something good with it. And so I came up with high school teaching. So I taught high school language arts, which is basically the bucket of classes like your basic freshman and sophomore English classes, your literature classes, media and communications. I advised the school newspapers where I taught, coached a speech and debate a little bit, um, and, you know, and had you know, a fun time with that. And so I taught for four years in the Midwest where my husband, Chris, and I lived before we moved out here to the Seattle area. And then the first year we were out here in Seattle, I taught the first year. Um, and then uh, while I was teaching school, I got my master's in adult education and I left the high school teaching at the end of the uh, 2000-2001 school year to make the leap to work with adult kids. Our career paths are messy. By that, I mean, they have their twists, turns, roadblocks, detours, and accelerations. And our college degrees don't define us. Often, we take those skills and develop them throughout our careers. Sometimes we transfer those skills. I asked Lisa for her advice about how to transfer our skills into a new role. So what I often advise is to kind of go after that low-hanging fruit in terms of what are the skills that you can identify that you have used in your teaching career that would easily transfer over into other environments or other industries. And so I think about primarily, uh, you know, those interpersonal skills. So when you think about wrangling kids, <laughs> wrangling students, as well as wrangling parents. Yeah. Um, you know, what are those interpersonal communication skills that you use? So whether it was things like um, listening, negotiating, conflict management, writing, public speaking, because that's, you know, you speak for a living when you teach. Um, but, you know, look at those skills that you've been using over the years. Uh, and a lot of it, too, is organization organizational skills, um, I would say even, um, you know, project management to an extent, definitely curriculum management, you know, designing curriculum, because you could become an instructional designer at pretty much any company that does training. Um, But just, you know, think about what are those skills that you can identify that you could then easily transfer over 
And at least to make an initial transition, I would, I would advise, you know, try to make it something that could be uh, an easier time. As you build your mid-career GPS, you may consider a bridge position. That's a position that connects the gap between the job you're doing to help you get the job that you want. Think of it as a transitory position to learn some excellent skills and build your professional brand and expertise. So for example, my bridge position, that's what I call it, between my last year of high school teaching and my first year being a training manager at an accounting firm, was I worked for a professional association, the Washington Society of CPAs that supported public accountants or supported supports public accountants, who still mm-hmm. exist yep. here in Washington State, a membership association. And I was what was called an accounting careers administrator. So at that time, they were looking for someone who could easily relate to both students and faculty and basically push the career of accounting for students to consider as a career path. And I would go around to career fairs and um, get place uh, CPAs into classrooms to be volunteer speakers. And, and so it was like the, the straddling of those worlds. And then uh, the person who was the head of membership for the association, she actually left to go be the human resources director at this accounting firm. And she brought me over to be their training manager because she knew that eventually I wanted to be teaching adults. Um, so that was my bridge position. So it was a it was an easier lift because you know they were looking for someone with that educational background, and it wasn't so drastic of a move that I you know felt like a deer in headlights, so to speak. Um, so kind of look for what could be a, a similar type of bridge position, even though you know that's not going to be where you want to end up, but what can help you get there and be that stepping stone. How you think about being stuck in your career will help you take action for whatever is next. I truly appreciate Lisa's thoughts on being stuck in our careers and how she helps her clients identify precisely where the stuckness is. Yeah, I think I think that it's first to kind of give yourself some grace that it's okay to be stuck for a little while. Mm. It's okay. And so many of us have been there and get it and that it's nothing to feel bad about or ashamed about. Uh, You know, sometimes we just need a little support, you know, so whether it's talking to professionals like us or, you know, um, exposing yourself to different groups of people through networking, you know, sometimes we just need some support and that's perfectly okay. And to also realize that nothing is permanent. <laughs> the only thing permanent is when we die. <laughs> right. Well uh, so said. nothing, nothing is permanent. So, you know, we can always take some sort of step or action to move forward. But when I, uh, you know, work with folks or, you know, focus on where we feel stuck, I, I think it's important to really identify exactly what the sticking point is. Mm-hmm. So where is the stuckness? Is it um, the particular people you're working with? Is it the industry you're working in? Is it the role or the type of work that you're doing? Is it a lack, you know, has your confidence been beaten down? But where exactly is it that you're stuck? Because when you can identify that, then that's the area to really pay attention to and to do some 
workaround in terms of what is really going on underneath that. You know, I, I find that so often these things come down to some sort of fear and trepidation. So what is the underlying fear? Um, you know, I know for me, when I was stuck, uh, I had been working in corporate America for quite a while uh, in internal learning and development, leadership development program roles and for many years. And uh, it was, I did feel like I was, you know, you mentioned earlier about insanity. I did feel like I was living my own career insanity. And um, I would, you know, I would land in, in very similar roles at different places, but would wind up doing the same type of work with the same type of duties. And, and I just got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And um, so it really helped me to just talk to people. So I was kind of halfway contemplating going out on my own. And so uh, much to the chagrin of the people at EMC, which hopefully they didn't know, but I was uh, surreptitiously my last year there, you know, having a lot of different conversations and phone calls with people in my network and those who I knew were independent, had their own businesses. And, and just to have those informational interviews to learn more about, you know, what their world was like and what were their lessons learned and any advice for me to get started and so it was really those conversations that gave me both the confidence and a bit of how to approach it uh, when I did decide to go independent and get out of corporate. One way to get unstuck is to have a series of informational interviews with professionals and fields you desire to move into. Listen carefully to Lisa's great tip to help you close your next informational interview. I think, you know, there's a lot of great um, informational interview questions out there. And, um, you know, so asking anything from, you know, just to open it up and say, can you tell me the story of your career journey? And, you know, what were kind of key pivot points or decision points along the way? Um, I always think that's a great place to start. And then, you know, get to what were the, the things you know now that you wish you knew then mm -hmm. type of classic question. And I always recommend to end any informational interview with the question, who else do you know who you think it would be good for me to talk to? Nice. And would you mind brokering an introduction? Yeah. So, you know, that's where the, that's the, uh, the bang for the buck right there <laughs> is great. It's always asking at the end, who else do you know? Mm -hmm. um, and to not turn down any opportunity to talk to someone. Because, you know, I've had, I've worked with clients who said, well, oh, I don't know if I should talk to that person or, you know, they kind of get um, thrown off by the person's LinkedIn profile or, you know, and, and I always say, do it because you never know who someone knows, you know, you don't know everyone who's in their network or who, what might spark them to think about you for something. So, you know, have the conversations uh, and always ask who else they know. Lisa talks about some particular circumstances that she sees befalls her clients in their 40s and 50s. Yeah, I think for those who are in their 40s and 50s, um, it's, I think those are the folks who are most likely to feel stuck where they are because they are more likely to be dealing with the golden handcuffs issue. 
as well as also starting to potentially encounter some ageism in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So starting to hear things like, hey, when are you going to retire or, (laughs) Mm. or just, you know, young guns, so to speak, being brought in or more pressure um, to feel uh, that, that performance pressure and to keep up with everything, right? So keeping up with technology, changes in the workplace. um, And and so feeling that, and then as well as being sandwiched potentially with the issues of potentially, you know, needing to care for their aging parents combined with raising their kids. And so more likely to feel that squeeze as well. Um, and, And then, you know, for those who are in their um, 50s, 60s, I would say it's it's the whole pondering and deciding uh, if it's up to them, because uh, lately during the pandemic hasn't always been up to them because of right. layoffs. But if it's up to them, you know, what does the next phase look like in terms of, you know, how long do they want to keep working or need to work? Is there anything they would want to do differently in terms of, you know, an encore career? Do they want to stay with what they're doing and just, you know, try to find something that's a little less pressured of an environment? Do they want to move? So I think there's just a lot swirling there. And, you know, once you get to empty nest time, that's a big time of change and assessment too, because then relationship dynamic can shift a lot between a spouse or or partner and you could turn around and, you know, when, when so much of your time has been spent focused on work and, and kids, potentially, could turn around and, and, you know, think you're married to a stranger. Right. So, and that's when we see the rates of gray divorce going up, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what can you do to plan together? You know, I always say there's, you know, three plans, yours, your partner's, and then the one you have together. So how can you openly talk about these, these three plans (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, have those conversations because I hear stories all the time. I I just got an email, um, end of last week after a a blog post I wrote was, um, on the Washington society of CPAs website, (laughs) um, about retirement and CPAs and, and the industry and, and uh, retiring partners and all that. And this gentleman wrote me this really heartfelt email and he shared, you know, how this rang true for him because his wife wants to travel and he doesn't. And he spent so many years commuting to work and being out of town for work. And now he doesn't want to do that anymore, but his wife wants to see the world. Mm-hmm. And so my concern is that if those two don't come together and chill, then they're going to continue to have problems in this next phase of their lives. Our conversation shifts to a topic that faces any 40-plus-year-old professional, ageism. While ageism works both ways, meaning that younger professionals face it too, it's important to be prepared to know how some of the stereotypes face older professionals, even at mid-career. Here, Lisa shares how you can navigate the conversation in your favor by positioning yourself more strategically in the marketplace because you're more valuable. So the common ones are can't learn anything new, don't know technology, uh, resistant to change, want a high salary. So, you know, those are kind of the top four. 
So I always recommend, you know, what can you share in terms of examples, stories, and responding to interview questions that will help combat those four stereotypes? So, you know, when it comes to can't learn anything new, you know, give an example, a recent example of when you took on a new big initiative or project and had to execute on that and the learning that was involved or, you know, courses you've taken, how you've upped your game with your skill set and how some learning, you know, really helped you to um, do your job well. Uh, you know, same with, oh, you know, resistant to change. It's like, well, talk about how you adapt and how you flex and how you work through change in a way that's productive and helps the organization. And what's an example of that? Um, you know, in terms of salary, that's something you need to figure out. But, you know, sometimes if we're able to, we can get to the point in our careers where it really isn't about the money. And we're okay making a lesser salary and then make that known that, you know, what it's about for you now in your career and what you're looking for and what you're not looking for. Um, and, and, and so I think that, and then with technology, again, you know, what are the software systems, tools that you use, the models that show you're up to date on your tech? And if you're not, then take some free online classes. There are plenty of those to get you up to speed with tech tools and software and uh, tools in the cloud and, you know, everything else. So I think just, you know, coming up with what are those examples, stories, and concrete responses you can do to address those unfortunate stereotypes because they're pervasive. And yes. here in the United States, we are so youth-obsessed um, that it, you know, it causes, and then we, you know, we wonder why there's a potential labor shortage. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you're pushing out people who contribute trillions of dollars to our economy, and yet you you won't employ them anymore. You know, how right. is that helping your company? How is that helping your organization? Um, or you won't do beta testing of your tech products on anyone over the age of 35. Well, I know plenty of people, Gen Xers like me, mm -hmm. boomers who love technology, but you know, it gets ignored because we're operating off of old tropes and these ageist stereotypes. Yeah. As I ask all of my guests, Lisa shares her advice to help you build your mid-career GPS. I would say, uh, you know, the old adage is true, know thyself. <laughs> so, mm. you know, when we get to our mid-career point, it's really a wonderful time to do this self-reflection to really say, okay, you know, where am I in my career? Um, and and I would say nine times out of 10, we're not where we anticipated we'd be when we got out of school. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, where, where am I? Uh, what value do I bring? What are my core values? Am I living those day to day? And if not, what do I need to do, whether it's a change in career or something else in my life? So I get to live those values on a more consistent basis. You know, to me, it's all about alignment. So are you aligned with the vision you have for, for what you want life to look like? And do you have a vision? <laughs> so if not, what's your vision statement? Where, where are you headed? And are you aligned with that? And if you're not, what do you need to do to get in alignment? Because it's when we are doing work and when we're out of alignment that causes just so many issues internally, externally. Um, you know, once we hit about age 35, 38, we're in our middle sense 
Uh, some refer to it as the, the midlife crisis, but it's our middle sense, uh, just like our adolescence. And we go through middle sense and it's our doorway into elderhood. And just like adolescence, it's also a time of a lot of changes uh, physically, mentally, emotionally. And uh, so it's very common to do this reassessing, but go through the process because the more you know yourself, the more alignment you will gain. If you've enjoyed my conversation with Lisa Downs, here's how you can connect with her and learn more about how she helps her clients. And then come back as I wrap up this episode with a few closing thoughts. Oh, thanks. Yep. So uh, you can head on over to my website, which is called yournewaspect.com for my business new aspect coaching. Uh, You can also um, head on over to reignitingyou.com. So that is the website for my radio show where you can listen to past episodes. Uh, It is uh, live, uh, has been on Wednesdays, but starting October 4th, we'll be live on Mondays Mm -hmm. at uh, KIXI. Uh, So, or you can just listen to the podcast version on any favorite podcast app. Remember. Feeling a little stuck on your career path is normal. How you get out of it is entirely up to you. As I've said before on previous episodes, our thoughts create certain feelings. Those feelings create actions. Those actions produce results. And those results align with what we want for our careers. After listening to today's episode, I hope you'll take some time this week to be grateful for all you've done and excited about whatever is next for your career. Your talents are needed out there. The marketplace is looking for people exactly like you to fill a need. And given how some industries are hurting right now and looking for help immediately, they're hiring quickly. Communicate your value, know your worth. If you liked today's episode, please remember to subscribe or follow and leave a five-star rating on your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Your Mid-Career GPS, and get my book available on Amazon, Your Mid-Career GPS, Four Steps to Figuring Out What's Next. And if you're ready to start building your mid-career GPS now, registration is open for my 14-day challenge starting December 1st. See the link in the show notes to register or visit johnnarrell.com slash challenge for more information. And remember, you build your mid-career GPS one mile or one step at a time and how you show up matters. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for being a part of this. I'll see you next time.